Welcome in Sports by the Book. The show, I'm Jeff Parles. We got a three-person crew today. Neverett's here. Alex White is here. Good morning to both of you. Good morning, Great everyone. to be here. This is, a, this is a new one for me coming in on a Sunday morning. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's one of those where, again, scheduling can be, uh, be a fun thing. Uh, but all three of us are here. It's all that matters. First time for everything, right? Yeah, man. Hey, look, we, we, we got to try some things out. You're, you're going to disappear to baseball soon. So, Eventually, yeah. Uh, um, we, we, have to, we have to have you in as much as humanly possible until baseball <laughs> season fully gets underway. Uh, first off, first off, <laughs> last night, I was the only person at this desk that didn't make it to Thomas and Mac. Uh, un- well, unfortunately for the two of you on this side of the desk where I, I didn't even, I, I, UNLV was up eight or whatever it was in the second half. You were up like, nine oh. with five minutes left. Yeah, I, yeah. I checked out and I was like, oh, UNLV's going to win the game. And then I, I, I check it at, uh, right before going to bed. I'm like, wait a second, how, how did that happen? <laughs> how did, how did uh, the Wolfpack come back and win that game? And I'll, I'll defer to the specifics to our UNLV alumni here, but uh, th- to me it seemed like a game where they were playing not to lose instead of playing to win, and we've seen that before from this team this year. I completely agree. And um, for the specifics, I'll just say Chris Andrews and his crew brought the luck for the Wolfpack. Yeah. <laughs> they got the win there, but it was disappointing for the Rebels. And, and that picture is just so fitting. Why did we do that before the end of the game? It was like... That was the curse. I blame Chris. It was all it was all his idea. <laughs> I was wearing a pullover and he goes, Take that off, we gotta take a picture. Well, Which, that's a pretty good impression, right? Wow, look at look at look at Chris Andrews in the full on wolfpack gear. And if I'm not mistaken, in the hostile Alex, territory yes. Chris this, Andrews this, last this night. thumbs up thumbs down picture was his idea, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Exactly. So for us to do the thumbs down, it's like he already knew that uh they were gonna lose that game. That's one big, they had to have. Too. Big win for Nevada. Because they're now so. uh, they're now safely I don't want to say safely but they're now on the right side of the bubble at the moment uh, UNLV again we already knew they were gonna have, they're gonna have to win the Mountain West tournament at Thomas and Mac in three weeks coming up crazy yeah. crazy we're getting we're getting tight on the uh, on the conference tournaments uh, coming up in the next few weeks we'll start in college hoops today though as a whole let's uh let's start in Tampa. Our guy, Matt Cox, is going to be there. He told, told me that on Thursday. It's a big one in the American where South Florida, as we all expected this year, uh, big credit, big credit to uh, Amir Abdurrahim. Uh, of course, got Kennesaw State to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Now has South Florida on the fourth longest win streak in the country with 10 straight wins, 11-1 and one in conference play. They take on the Owls of Florida Atlantic, and this line uh, just moved to six here at the South Point. Uh, there is some five and a half out there on this one. I, I'm Alex, I'm a little bit surprised with the way the market has played this. I know South Florida has been amazing against the number. Now, people probably want to go against that at some point, but Florida Atlantic has been bad as a road favorite in conference play. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. I'm uh, waiting to see how high we can actually get this number. I'll probably be jumping on South Florida. They have been on a great run, and I'm glad you started here because this is a huge game for the standings and the game before that as well with Charlotte hosting Wichita State because those three are all here at the top in the AAC. So I think there's definitely value grabbing the points here with the home team. Yeah, both of these teams come into this one hot, and uh, that's kind of the, the hallmark of this game. 11 straight home wins for South Florida, including, like like we have been saying, uh, 10 of their last uh, t- or their last 10 in a row at home, 10 of their last 11 overall. Uh, one thing to look at for me in this one is the, the defense. 
of South Florida. They've given up 62 or less points in each of their last three games. So they come in not only shooting the ball really well over that same stretch, they've shot the ball over 44%. That's from beyond the arc. Uh, and they've defended very well, obviously. And uh, in this matchup, about seven of the last nine have gone USF's way. Uh, it's a matchup that has been, you know, colloquially dominant. You think FAU with what they've right. done recently and, you know, new coach for South Florida. But with the way that they've been playing as of late, I'm, I'm with you guys. I like the Bulls here catching catching about four, right? Well, we're up to six. Oh, wow. Up to six. Yeah. Even better. I, I'm not touching this because at some point there's going to be a, a game where Florida Atlantic looks like Florida Atlantic. It's coming at some point. It would make a whole lot of sense that it comes again. And again, this is the South, the Central South Florida Bowl. I, I know Boca to Tampa is not like Orlando to Tampa, yeah. but hey, uh, I I thought this number, the, the overnight was actually a little cheap at four on Florida Atlantic. Uh, now to six. Uh, I, I'm just not going to bother. The market loves Florida Atlantic, though, which is interesting yes, because they, they against the number, they have been bad on the road in conference play because uh, Cox brought this up on Thursday. They're getting everyone's best shot. We 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 know this in the American. Uh, and look, they're still going to the NCAA tournament. They're still going to probably be about a six seed. But it has not gone as smoothly as we would have expected this year. Well, and the struggles for them on the road have been on the defensive side of the ball because they're averaging over 82 points a game offensively, and that's just in road games this year. So it has been about stopping the opponent from scoring. And with what we've seen from USF recently, I think that they're going to be able to affect this tempo of this FAU team enough, especially now catching six. That that number going in our favor, Alex. I will just say Florida Atlantic, not only on the road, just covering the spread in general, three and nine against the spread in conference play so far this year. So it's going to be a good game. Alex, did you have anything on the Charlotte-Wichita game? Charlotte, six-point favorites. Uh, we know the struggles of the Shockers this year. <laughs> they're... They're only they have two conference wins. Granted, one of them is against SMU, and it might keep SMU out of the NCAA tournament when it's all said and done. Uh, Charlotte, again, you know we're going to get a slow game. You know that three hundred and fifty sixth in tempo this year. So, kind of like Arkansas yesterday, Jeff. My numbers say to take the points here with oh, Wichita no. State, but it's I haven't done anything yet. Hey, They've Arkansas won two of their yesterday. last fourteen. Arkansas did cover, <laughs> they yesterday, they covered yesterday and Mizzou. So. Um, those are two that I was kind of looking at there, but yeah, I don't know. Charlotte eleven and one at home and nine and two against the spread. So I haven't done anything yet here in this one. And guys, as far as the market is concerned, Charlotte getting ninety one percent of the tickets, eighty five percent of the bet. So everybody's on the 49ers in this one. 49ers again near the top of the American. They need to win the American conference in order to get into the NCAA tournament. Their non con not good enough. Their best win right now out of conference. George Mason. 96th in Ken Palm, not good enough. If this were 2008, that'd be a great win. Ah, it wouldn't be our, well, wouldn't be too bad. Wouldn't be too bad on that one. Uh, of course, Tony Skin, who was a part of that Final Four team, now the head coach uh, over at George Mason. Purdue and Ohio State's up next. So, I, Alex, I'm curious how you handle this one because Holtman got fired on on Wednesday, interim coach for Ohio State. Purdue's obviously. Uh, been a dominant force at Mackey this year. This game's in Columbus. Uh, Purdue was the number one overall seed in yesterday's bracket reveal of the top 16 seeds. Promptly, Auburn got beat by Kentucky as a nine-point <laughs> favorite at home yesterday. Uh, so maybe the committee was on to something there. So for Purdue here, again, a little bit of a, a, little bit of a sleepy spot earlier in the week. They didn't cover a big number against Minnesota, winning by eight. Uh, on Thursday, now on the road in Columbus, eight and a half here, one forty-seven and a half. 
I think this number is a little short here for Purdue, even though they are on the road. So I'm looking to lay the points with them. Um, Ohio State, I mean, as you mentioned, they're trying to turn it around here with their interim head coach. But in conference, is 4-10 and 10 against the spread. So, yeah, I'd only look at Purdue in this one. I'm, I'm with you, and I actually do have Purdue in this one. I've already laid the, laid the bet. I think that... Uh, you know, Purdue able to just do too much against a team that's really just playing for pride. And Ohio State really doesn't have uh, as much of a dedicated home court advantage as a lot of these teams, especially in the Big Ten. I mean, a lot of these teams have marked home court advantages, and Ohio State really does not. Brand new coach against a team in Purdue that actually has something to play for. I don't think we see that, that sleepy hangover effect that we saw with Auburn uh, against Kentucky yesterday. And, uh, yeah, I've got the Boilermakers. I would expect them to win this one by double digits. And uh, my, my action j just about on that, I, I got eight and a half. I don't uh, – the, the... we were talking football game, a little different. Yeah. We are talking NBA even, a little different. With the, the coach gets fired first game after bump. This Ohio State team, though, I think this is one of those where I'll go opposite the two of you here, and I would lean to the Buckeyes, where I thought Chris Holdman was the issue with this team. This The talent on this team is a clear NCAA tournament basketball. And they're 14-11. and 11. They've been four, They were 4-10 and 10 in conference. They beat Alabama earlier in the year. So it's not like they already had shown, all right, they're, you're, they're a top 40 team in the country. Ken Palm has him at 69th, not nice right now. But you're in a scenario for them where they're, again, it's an interim coach. It is a little bit of a sleepy spot for Purdue. Purdue, uh, after this one, uh, again, gets to play Rutgers, a team that earlier in the year, give them their best shot. Rutgers couldn't quite pull that off in the rack. But I would lean to the dog here. I wish I was getting 10, personally. I really was. I really do. But. We get back to nine. I'm going to take take the nine, and I imagine this will get to nine by the time the game tips out. You would assume, especially yeah. with a lot of the money coming in, even this early on Purdue. The, the matchup to watch in this one: Zach Eady for the Boilermakers against Felix Okpara for the Buckeyes. Uh, Okpara is going to need to try to slow down Zach Eady, and uh, if he's able to do that, Ohio State could keep it close. But my, my action says, at least in my head, that that will not happen. But that is the matchup to watch in this game. Let's move along. The Drake. In action against Murray State, you know. So for the for the Missouri Valley, where this is this has obviously been a nightmare week for Indiana State, as they not only lose to Illinois State earlier in the week, who's really not a good team, they go on the road to Carbondale yesterday, coin flip game, they lose. So the door is now open for Drake in that league to potentially even be the number one seed in the conference tournament with a with if Drake wins out they will be the number one seed in the conference tournament against a, 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 a over Indiana State they're a nine-point favorite Alex against Murray State this has been a pretty mediocre racer team uh this year 11-15 on the year I actually would look to lay the favorite in this one I wish again this came eight easy easy we're going with a nine have to hesitate a little bit, but I I would still lean to the favorite in this game. This is tough. I think this number is just right as well as the total. It's moved up a little bit here, and I was expecting it come come down a little bit. Drake is the better team. They do have a lot. They are playing for a lot. Nine and six against the spread in conference so far this year, but it's just a lot of points here to ask of them. And Murray State's been pretty good. I mean, um, covered in seven of their 12 road games so far this year. So 
I don't know. It's just a lot of points. I stayed away from this one, Matt. Well, Murray State, a really solid defensive team, if nothing else. That is the hallmark of this team. And uh, they play really slow pace as well, 318th in overall pace. So that, that doesn't necessarily lead you to, to think that a, a blowout is on deck. The big number for me in this one, guys, is that Drake, 21-5 and five on the air, having a great season just straight up by the numbers. But against the spread, 12-13, and 13, and they are a whopping 6-6 six and six ATS at home. Uh, they, they weren't able to cover as a double-digit favorite Sunday. Uh, the Racers, 3-1 and one in their last four games, and they're 6-2 and two against the spread as road dogs this year. This is a team that has responded well in, in similar situations. Now, I don't know if they win this game, but I think they're able to keep it closer than a double-digit point spread. Yeah, I would say the market has caught up to Drake here, right? Because as you're saying, and against the spread, they're 4-1 straight up in their last five, but 1-4 against the spread. So I just think the market's caught up, and that number is just about right. This has been a, and this is actually a pretty good day in the Valley as well, because Bradley, another yep. team, you know, when we get the pick, picking conference tournaments, of course, Arch Madness is the first bigger tournament that's up that first week in a conference tournaments. Uh, they have that final in St. Louis a week before selection Sunday. Uh, again, I thought this had a chance of being a multi-bid league with Indiana State's prominence after this week. Not going to happen. It's yeah. probably going to be one, one and that's it. Bradley's another team that had, could possibly win that league uh right now the braves today go to cedar falls to take on northern iowa today uh three-point favorites on the road you know this is one of those where by the way ben jacobson is never gonna never gonna leave northern iowa no had plenty of chances to leave when they were beating kansas in the ncaa tournament over a decade ago but it's still there I would actually look to the favor. I would actually look to the underdog. I should say here. I okay. look to the home dog. Uh, I'd actually take Northern Iowa outright here. I don't think this is the greatest of spots for Bradley, where they have another road game next week in Springfield against the game Missouri State team as well. This league, this league is better than it gets credit for because again, mid major leagues just don't get the credit they deserve at this point in 2024. So I liked Bradley here at two, but now. Um... With this number moving, and if it continues to go up, I think you can find some value here with Northern Iowa. But with Northern Iowa, I mean, it's really their defense that is, um, they've struggled. They're at the bottom of the league there. And Bradley, offensively, they are at the top of the league. Um, so I, it's another stay away for me, uh, looking more towards the under, but no play for me. Yeah, not a lot of points for these two teams in their last handful of games. Last uh, five games, Bradley averaging 76 points a game, while Northern Iowa averaging just over 66 a game. So this is a, a, a game between two offenses that really come into this one uh, not on a prolific scoring pace whatsoever. And uh, yeah, stay away game for me, but I, I would take a look at the under. Alex, you uh, you had some thoughts earlier today on East Carolina and Tulane. ECU two and a half point favorites at home against the Green Wave. Ooh, again, the Green Wave, you're not going to make money betting unders. With the green wave, but we only have a 150 and a half in this game, which is a pretty low total for a Tulane game. Really just a testament more so than anything to what East Carolina is going to want to do here tempo wise in this one. Yeah. And you know what? It's a shame because uh, Tulane was off to a hot start. They are um, 14 and nine to the over this year, but in conference six and six, again, the market has caught up. Mm -hmm. So those 150s are a little bit tough to go over. I was a little bit surprised with all the money coming on East Carolina. I understand they are the better team, but I just, um, I don't know. I didn't think they would be this much of a favorite even at home. So I would only look to taking the points here with Tulane, even though they have um, struggled a little bit on the road, three and seven straight up and against the spread. 
on the road. But East Carolina, I mean, 10 and 7 at home this year, but only covered in six of those 15 games. So it's kind of a coin flip here um, with taking the points or laying the points, but I would lean towards the dog. Well, a lot of times in college basketball, you hear about a team, you know, dictating tempo and changing the way that the other team plays. When you hear that, what do you think? Slowing it down defense. Tulane does it on the other side where they, they speed other teams up and they're really able to get them out of sorts by just playing their own game. And that's a fast, high-powered game. Uh, offensively, a lot of shots early in the shot clock, which does lead to rebounding opportunities. I, I think that's going to be the stat that I would keep an eye on in this one. I've got no play, uh, especially with how different these two teams do play uh, stylistically. Uh, like, like you said, Alex, if, if I did have, have to play this one, I would look to play Tulane. I would try to grab the money line on it because I do think that they are able to change the way that the other team plays, especially on the road in an, in an atmosphere, uh, you know, going from New Orleans to Greenville. Really no, no huge home court advantage for ECU in this one. I think Tulane's able to play their style. Moving along here on the day, on a, on a Sunday, you know, there's, again, not as I, – I, scheduling just makes no sense. <laughs> I, we have over 100 games yesterday. We're down to 20 there today. Going to North Texas and UAB next. North Texas two-point dogs on the road in this one against the Blazers. You know, North Texas got a really uh, got a really nice win on Thursday against Memphis, basically destroying any chance that Memphis, for good, ha of having an at-large bid. Memphis is going to have to win the AAC Conference Tournament. Now they go on the road. Tricky spot against a UAB team that has a home win against Florida Atlantic has already beaten this North Texas team in Denton in a game that somehow had 161 points. Uh, I, Alex, I actually think I would take a shot on North Texas here. In a, I know you love these revenge spots. A revenge spot, yes, it's on the road, but I do like North Texas here to get revenge from that loss they had earlier in the year against UAB at home. I agree with you. I like North Texas here grabbing the points. Um, UAB really good for mid-range, and that's about it. Um, and then North Texas, they're a very good three-point shooting team here, and UAB doesn't defend that three-point very well. So I just think it's a tough matchup for UAB, but I do need to mention that this team is coming in pretty hot, four and one straight up in their last five, and they covered in all five of those. So that kind of um, made me a little bit nervous here, but I think North Texas can keep this close. They They've done all right on the road, 6-5 and five against the spread. Well, you guys like the mean green, and you're not alone. Uh, over 80% of the tickets and over 90% of the money on North Texas in this game. But the line has moved to the other side. It opened at a one-point UAB spread. One book's got it up to 2.5 now. So while all the tickets and the money are coming in on North Texas, some of the more sharp-respected money uh, coming in on, on ECU here. So it's an interesting kind of re reverse movement where you see all the tickets, all the money coming in on one side, and all of a sudden, in the, in the span of 12 hours, it moves a point and a half the other direction. Uh, I, I, I got nothing in this one, although I think the total with what you had said, Jeff, uh, you know, the last game of over 160, uh, it opened at 135 and is all the way down to like a 130, 130 and a 130 half. 130 right now. Yeah, yeah. I see that also. The, the, that, that one, a, a precipitous drop to the under and a decent move to ECU. These are some interesting splits in this game for sure. Yeah, I, I don't know what to do with that total. That total move is a little bit yeah, a little bit aggressive uh, for me. And granted, uh, when Chris and company opened the numbers here, it opened 132 and a half. So that's a two and a half. Again, that's a pretty significant drop uh, when we're talking here uh, with with uh, when the totals come out here at the South Point. 
And with the way that, that we look at games, usually taking a, a peek the night before at some of these opening lines and then assessing them the next day, a five-point total move in the NBA, for instance, really not that much. You never know what's going to happen with the injury reports, blah, blah, blah. A, a five-point spread or line move on the total in college, especially in a 12-hour in stretch, really does tell you uh, where people's heads are at in this game. Let's go to Northwestern and Indiana. Of course, Northwestern, uh, again, they lose Ty Berry for the season earlier in the week uh, with a knee injury. Uh, I still think the Wildcats are a, a pretty clear NCAA tournament team earlier in the week. Remember all that steam on Rutgers. They got late numbers on Northwestern. You cashed in that game at the rack, 63-60 loss. Uh, once again, a little bit of, a little bit of ridiculous officiating at the end of that game, but hey, uh, thus is life in the Big Ten on the road. Now they go to Assembly Hall, take on the Hoosiers. Uh, Northwestern's a dog here, Alex. I actually would take the Cats to bounce back. Yes, it's on the road. Yes, it's hard to play in the, on the road in this league. Yes, Northwestern only has one road win in conference play, and that came against <laughs> Penn State. But this Indiana team, I think, I don't want to say that they've, they've closed up shop yet, but it's pretty darn close to that uh, with, with the way they've looked, other than, again, that miracle comeback against Ohio State, which was probably what really did Holtman in more than anything. I'm with you, Jeff. I like Northwestern in this one. Grab it now because there was some two-and-a-halves out there earlier, so I think this number could continue to move towards the Northwestern side. But overall, just the better team, 48th overall in Ken Palm, 35th adjusted offense, 80 adjusted defense and then indiana comes in 97th overall and i know you said that northwestern lost a player but indiana will also have a player out and that's xavier johnson who's been very good for them so i think it's kind of evens that out and i would definitely take the the points with the dog let's do it guys let's squad ride this one 94 <laughs> percent of the money very public side Let's do it on the uh, on the Wildcats. Take take Indiana, everyone. <laughs> Whenever the three Sean, of us take Indiana, with. please take Indiana in this game. Uh, not at all. Three of Boys us are on are on the Purple Cats in this one. That's a <clears throat> excuse me. That's a, a noon Pacific tip. Three local time there in Indiana. Hey, at least we know one of the eight legs of our uh, director Sean Parlay for today. <laughs> Indiana. Yes, that's got to be okay, right. I mean, it has to be fade the desk, right? <laughs> Moving along. Uh, Memphis and SMU. All right, we we talked about Memphis earlier in the show. I, what a what a mess this has been for the Memphis Tigers in conference play. They were well on their pace to being safely in the NCAA tournament. Now it's win the American tournament or say, maybe not even see any NIT at this point with the restructuring to uh to help out the bigger conferences in the NIT this year. Uh, they lost to North Texas earlier in the week. Uh, they're seven and five at conference. They're eighty third in Ken Palm, Memphis, uh, on the road at SMU. SMU, of course, uh, survived in New Orleans after a bad first half. They have won five straight games since that horrible loss they took in Wichita last month. Alex, it's four and a half. Uh, there is even some five out there as well on this one with a total of 156 SMU, of course, at home in Dallas. So my numbers do still say to take the points here with Memphis, but I haven't jumped on them. I mean, you mentioned everything in this collapse of this team. The numbers are just wild. Covered in three of their last 15 games. So I haven't done anything yet here. If you got an earlier number on the over at 154, I do like that a lot here, especially with how fast this Memphis team does play. 
And Memphis has been one of my favorite teams to live bet this year, either one way or another. I've, I've gone about 50-50 betting them and, uh, and fading them because you never really know which Memphis team you're going to get un until they show up. It, it is pretty obvious about 10 minutes into the game what direction the rest of the game is going to go, at least in my experience. I, I've probably live bet, I would say, almost 10 of their games this year, one way or another. And again, about, about even. Half the time you look at uh, this, this team and what they do early on and can really see a trend and a pattern. They, they do play good defensively, and I think that's the main thing that I would look out for in this one is if they make some really strong stops early that sets the tone for the rest of the day. But with what we've seen, this is a team that can fall off a cliff in a heartbeat. But this could be really interesting, too, and I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. And um, Jeff, I want your take because you're very good at the spots, right? And this could be a sleepy spot for SMU coming off that big win at Tulane. And then now they have Florida Atlanta up next. So maybe we can watch early on, see if Memphis shows up and uh, get a good number there. It is a little bit tricky scheduling wise for for SMU. I'm happy you brought that up because they go, of course, they have this game at home. Look, it's it's Memphis. When we're talking about the, the like, I know the American used to, of course, be CUSA and all that fun jazz. Uh, but this is a team that you always think when you think American at this point, it's still them. They're the one that's hung around and hasn't moved up to a power five conference at this point. Florida Atlantic, as we know it, they get everyone's best shot. But then they also get South Florida in Tampa next Sunday. So, like, you're dealing with three straight games against higher end competition in this league for the uh, the SMU ponies. I, with that said, I, I don't, I just don't trust Memphis. I, I just don't trust them at all. I'm with you. To cover any sort of number at this point. I'm not touching this. I think the number's fine at four and a half, five. Uh, but if Memphis gets out to a lead, you might want to come back the other way on SMU. All right. Seton Hall and St. John's. At, uh, in Elmont today, uh, UBS Arena, the site. So St. John's plays some of their home games now where the Islanders play. By the way, we'll get to hockey in the second half of the show today because we have another outdoor game at East Rutherford coming up uh, between the Rangers and the Islanders after the Devils took care of the Flyers last night in a nine-goal bonanza in that game uh, at uh, at the at MetLife Stadium. Uh, six, St. John's favored by seat over Seton Hall in this one. This is a very bubblicious game where, <laughs> look, Seton Hall and 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 St. John's, if you're looking about three weeks ago, I thought they were pretty safely in. Then Seton Hall took that three-overtime loss against Creighton, and they lost to Providence at home. All right, you lose to Marquette, no big deal. They lose to Villanova. They get the big win against Xavier earlier in the week to get on the right track. St. John's has really looked bad the last month. They started out 4-1 and one in conference play. I was saying to Alex, hey, they might end up finishing in the top two in the Big East. That's not happening. They're down to 6-8 and eight in the conference. They're 2-7 and seven in their last nine. Now to get Seton Hall, first meeting between these teams was in Newark. Seton Hall, and of course, in that game, had the 26-0 run in route to a 15-point win in that one. Yeah, I mean, that had me lean towards St. John's here, and... Um, that revenge spot, but you already mentioned it, Jeff. They've just been really bad this last month. Their last four games, one and four straight up and against the spread. So that kind of threw me off. I wasn't willing to lay six even with them at home, but I was looking at the under here. I think that um, 144.5 is a little bit high for these two. Two numbers to keep an eye on in this one, guys. Uh, Seton Hall, or rather St. John's, the number one rebounding team in the Big East. They're also 10-3 and three at home this year while the, uh, the Pirates are just 4-4 four and four on the road. So the numbers do tell you 
that, that St. John's should have an advantage. They, they are the team with more to play for in my eyes, especially, uh, Alex, as you had mentioned, that, that revenge factor in a couple of these other games. Uh, yeah, break out your hubba bubba for this one, Jeff, because these are, these are two teams <laughs> really on the bubble, and I think that St. John's needs this game more. I haven't bet it. I, I would lean towards the Red Storm, especially you know with the coaching advantage and playing at home where they've been pretty solid this year. Uh, the number may be a little bit big, but uh, that's one of those ones where you just uh, bite down on the bubble gum and, and hope, hope for the best. This is a very easy pass for me. Very easy pass. I, I think the line's probably too big. But yeah, just slightly. But I, I, I'm I'm going to stay off. By the way, for for what it's worth, Lenardia Seton Hall is the team number seventy right now. So just on the outside, St. John's right now is seventy three. So two teams with a win today could very easily find their way back in. Currently, as Providence is the final team in after a uh, a an eleven point win against DePaul, which is almost like losing to DePaul. <laughs> the way DePaul uh, has played uh, in conference play. Uh, so far this year. All right, Rutgers and Minnesota's up next. This is an interesting one on the line. Uh, Rutgers, as we know, home road splits pretty jarring, even though they're playing much better. Winners are four in a row. Minnesota played Purdue pretty darn tough earlier in the week, losing by eight, getting a very easy cover when it was all said and done. Alex, four and a half in this one with the Golden Gophers at home. Uh, some early numbers were two and a half, three. Uh, Chris and company opened at four and a half, got bet to five, now back to four and a half on this one. I don't understand this total moving up so much. I saw 130 yesterday. Now it's at 133 and a half. Um, I would look to the under here with these two, both really good defenses. Uh, Red Curse seven and three to the under in their last 10. Um, and Minnesota, I mean, 86 adjusted defense efficiency. So yeah, I was looking at the under here, but the market seems to be going in the opposite direction as me. Nothing on the side, really. I mean, I was going to use a little bit of a revenge factor from last year for Rutgers because Minnesota was terrible last year, 2-17 and 17 in conference, and one of those wins was over Rutgers. So I was thinking about grabbing the points here, also going the opposite way as me. So I think this might be a great stay away for me. I, I think so, and the, the reason why I think that, Minnesota, the best ATS team in the country. Something's got to give, right? They're 21-3. and three against the spread this year in a whopping 15-1 and at the barn while playing at home. Uh, again, something's got to give. This is a short number. And guys, I never know what to make of this Rutgers team. I was high on them to start the year, and then they really dipped, at least in my mind. And uh, playing against, as I mentioned, the best ATS team in the country, it's a game that they very easily could win. They could go on the road with a little bit of attitude like they've been known to do, but it's just so hard to go against Minnesota, especially at home where they have... Covered every single game except once. A 21-3 and ATS number is, is striking at this point in the year. Well, I can't believe I didn't bring up Rutgers' Ken Palm numbers because this is why they're so unpredictable, right? Second adjusted defense efficiency and then 288th on <laughs> offense. Of course, you don't know what you're going to get with this team. But that's why I was looking at the under here. I think we're going to have a defensive battle. I would argue you know exactly what you're getting. Yeah, because of that's those pretty good. You're no, right. You're going to get... Great defense and absolutely horrendous offense. If not inconsistent. No, I mean, at, at times they can go off. It's just they never put it together. I well, I mean they have with the seventy eight against Wisconsin was more of an aberration more so than anything. That By the way, Wisconsin, Wisconsin still can't beat anyone. They yeah. lost yesterday in overtime to Iowa. I you know, I I I can't do anything with this game. If this game was in again, the home courts mean so much in this number, because this game's at Rutgers, Rutgers is probably three or four. So you're looking at the home court making the difference here in this game. And for me with Minnesota, look, they 
they've been much better than I thought they were going to be. I thought they were going to be a bottom feeder in this league. They're about right in the middle. You win today, you're 500 going down the home stretch where you can find a way to 10 and 10 in conference play, which would be a pretty darn good achievement for Minnesota. And with Ben Johnson getting that program going in the right direction, uh, I just, I just can't get there on either side. I wish this was just one of two ways, either came shorter at three or I was getting six with Rutgers. No, thank can't happen. Point and a half wrong the other way. Four and a half is the right number or four even on this one. All right. UCLA taking on Utah. UCLA has been much better. They really, they, again, this, the last time these teams met, and this was the bottom of the bottom for UCLA in Salt Lake City, Utah beat them on January 11th, 90 to 44. That's all. 90 to 44 to send UCLA to 6 and 10 on the year and 1 and 4 in conference play. Since then, UCLA's only lost one time which was a game they led for the majority of the game in Tucson before Arizona won the game by six. This is a reasonable team now. They're still not good, but they're pretty reasonable. Utah, Alex, as we've talked about, is a team that cannot play away from Salt Lake City. They have been bad on the road all year. They lost earlier in the week to USC at Galen. UCLA is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against a team that they lost by over 42 or over 52 the last time. You don't see that very often. Give me the home revenge here. I laid the two with UCLA. You brought up great points and their loss, that 90 to 44. And since then, they're only one loss to Arizona. Seven, one and one against the spread since that loss to Arizona. So I like um, UCLA a lot in this one. Utah, three and seven against the spread since their big win over UCLA. Um, Yeah, I think that's really it. Except for I wanted, yeah, Utah's, Road split, Jeff, as you mentioned, three and eight straight up and against the spread on the road so far this year. Yeah, and this is a UCLA team that you mentioned, Jeff, going the right way. Utah is going the opposite way. Uh, they've lost their last three and really haven't been uh, overly competitive in, in any of those games. And this is a game for me, guys, where the coaching matters. And not only that, the personality of the said coaches matter. You're going to tell me that Mick Cronin is not going to have his guys ready to go after getting run out of the gym on the road against this very team that is now unraveling. That's really the only way to put it right now. Utah, just a precipitous fall from the last time that they played this UCLA team. So we're really seeing two different teams. I think you can almost throw out that that first game as far as individual matchups or, you know, a stat or whatever from that from that early game because this is a UCLA team that is trending in the right direction. Uh, I think they've got the personnel matchups in just about uh, every area. And uh, Utah right now playing their way out of the tournament. UCLA playing their way back in. So I'd like this number relatively short in a game that I think UCLA uh, is able to get out there early and, uh, and and put the foot on the gas. I would only bet UCLA here. I would only bet the Bruins, uh, which means Utah, congratulations on your victory here. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, you know, it's just one of those where for UCLA, look, Mick Cronin's too good of a coach for that abomination we exactly. saw earlier in the year where they were bad. I mean, that was a bad basketball team. The only team that they beat <laughs> before they beat Washington on January 14th, their best win on Ken Palm was at Oregon State. Their second best win was against UC Riverside. They'd beaten no one. And they hadn't even been competitive against good teams until they have racked off this run here where Again, they beat 
well, Oregon. They beat Colorado earlier in the week at home, which was a good win. Big win for Colorado last night in overtime against USC to at least get back on the right track. But they're better. UCLA's better. They're still not a good team, but they actually look like a competent basketball team, unlike the team we saw earlier in the year. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, may have some thoughts on the NBA's second half, including tonight on the All-Star Game. I don't have any bets. Maybe never does. Who knows? Hockey as well. And also to an update on Daytona. The race has been postponed to tomorrow. We'll discuss that a little bit when we come back. Sports by the Book. From the South Point studio. The perfect blend of sports. But I think the Niners are going to wear them down. Detroit Pistons lost their 36 games. Comedy. It's the over-under on that relationship lasting. I'm going to put mayo in the coffee. Yeah. I am beautiful. And a whole lot of Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. 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 Yeah. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Join Ryan McCormick. That's at least two picks outside of our own in the first round next year. Oreo. And host Frank Nicotero. <laughs> <laughs> I look at the clock. I go, ah! Ah! Oh! Watch Punchlines live at noon every weekday. Once you've satisfied your hunger, get ready for more of the hottest casino games in Vegas. Our 24-hour, 30-table, non-smoking poker room proudly hosts all the most popular poker games with a variety of betting limits. Visit the poker room for a schedule of daily tournaments. Whether you're going to hold them or fold them, the best place for poker is at South Point Casino. You'll notice that our craps tables are usually the loudest in the casino. If you've never played, join one of our free craps lessons to find out what makes this game so exciting. Check with the craps dealer for schedules and give it a roll. Bingo is also an exciting way to spend your time. We offer seven sessions of bingo every day. And each session includes a cash ball jackpot, 12 bingo games, a progressive double action game, and a $10,000 bonus coverall. Electronic units are available. If you haven't played bingo with us, give it a try today. Guests can also get in on the action at our one-of-a-kind race and sports books. Two separate rooms designed to maximize your experience and comfort. Our sports book, with over 400 seats, puts you right in the middle of the action, 24 hours a day. Welcome back in Sports by the Book. About 20 minutes to go for us here today in our show here on this Sunday. Matt Neverts here, Alex White's here, I'm Jeff Parles. We only have three hockey games today, Alex, but one of them is another outdoor game. We saw last night at MetLife Stadium, the Flyers and the Devils, Rocky, tracksuits, Devils win 6-3, and what was a pretty fun environment there at MetLife Stadium tonight, or this afternoon, I should say, this is a 3 o'clock local puck drop in the Meadowlands. The Islanders and the Rangers, who, by the way, they have not played each other in a regular season game in over a calendar year, which I don't know how that's possible. How? That it was a backloaded schedule like this uh, for the Isles and the Rangers. Alex, Rangers' favorite, technically the road team. No home ice in this one, as we know. Minus 145 on New York Rangers. The Isles at plus 125. Totals five and a half. We did see nine goals last night, Alex. Do you think that was more just teams that were playing last night or do you think there's something to that with this out with the outdoor environment here 
Well, I'll tell you what, Jeff. I already liked this over. And then seeing that last night, I like it even more. I made it closer to six and a half, to be honest. So I think you are getting a great number here. And I haven't really been betting hockey overs, but this one's too good to pass. So I like over five and a half. Shusterkin should be in net for the Rangers. And he hasn't been the same that he has been last year. I mean, Jonathan Quick has really been their number one guy. Shusterkin 17 and 14 to the over this year. And then on the other side, the Islanders, and we've been following this all year, we aren't used to this, but they've been a higher scoring team and allowing goals as well. So they are 14 and nine to the over on the road this year. So I think this is a great spot to take it over and uh, we'll see six goals easily in this one. And a, a couple of numbers for this one, because it is moving to six at some books. So if, okay. you're, if you if you like the over yeah, five get, and a half, get, it now. get in on it soon uh, at six at uh, a couple of books in town, including Caesars. Uh, the big one for this, we were talking about the betting splits earlier with, with college basketball. 84, this actually just moved, 84% of the tickets on the over, but only 58% of the money. So that tells you that the, the public is really high on the over. The sharps, not quite as much. And to use the horse racing analogy, I don't know how you can look at a fast track like what we saw yesterday in that game with nine total goals scored and, and think that this one's going to go under, especially if you can get a beneficial number at, at five and a half. Uh, I, I like the over in this one as well. Definitely. I guess I'll tell if you insist. <laughs> Bet your unders, folks. If you, if you well, Sean? Here's, the, here's the thing. Get the, get the, get the six out there, and then you uh, go from there. Uh, you know, I, I will say this. I do think the Rangers are the best team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, you're, you're in a scenario now where you're looking again. Uh, Boston lost four in a row. They lost yesterday in overtime to L.A., uh, who had been really struggling the Kings. Yeah, uh, Panthers uh, look better again. At some point, the Maple Leafs are going to have to win a Stanley Cup, right? At some point, maybe sixty years from now, but they are going to have to win one at some point. But I do think the uh, the the Rangers are the most complete Definitely. team. They're playing well right now. Uh, but that says you throw out the record books when these two teams play, as we know, uh, with the Isles and the Rangers. Are we going to get some cool costumes when they come out of the bus? That's the real question in this game. By, only if the Islanders are dressed as uh, as the uh, the fishermen. <laughs> they need to be dressed at the <laughs> from the from the jersey from the nineties. Yeah, they just need everyone pad. dressed up as a fisherman. It looked like uh, uh, Robert Pattinson in in uh, the the lighthouse. Well, the, it looked, it looked like movie. the guy on the on, on the uh, on the frozen fish sticks. Yeah, That's there what it you go. Like. Oh my god, uh, uh, more so just than a bunch uh, of Long John Silvers coming running off the bus. <laughs> very, very good, uh, uh, for sure. Uh, South Florida, out yeah, to South Florida, out to a ten four lead. Charlotte, well, make it thirteen four. Charlotte's out nine two. Uh, Wichita can struggle to score in that game. By the way, nice. Uh, Good stay away. What, is it, it, what, what are we call, calling those jerseys South Florida's wearing? Is that lime green? A highlighter, yeah. Highlighter green? Looks great. Yeah, they, they do. It's like uh, them and Michigan State both try to roll out those highlighter unis at the same time. For some reason, they look so much better in Tampa than they do in well, East Lansing. Baylor, remember Baylor legitimately, they yeah. were highlighter. There was yeah. no other color for it. These are these are softer on the eyes. Yes. Softer, yes. Like softer like on it. the eyes. And very nice for a nine nine fifteen. A here. cream green, we'll call it. Cream green. It's like electric pea soup. <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get. <laughs> you never know. Uh, Alex, the other two hockey games today, uh, they're not outside, so not as fun. But uh, Colorado, big favorites against Arizona. Not much of a shock there. Uh, minus two sixty behind us with a total of six and a half. Hey, if you want to get. Fun. It's plus two twenty on the Coyotes in that one, and then the other one, Pittsburgh. I'm allowed to say it. Frank isn't favorites at home That's against right. LA today. Minus twenty more. Only a dollar twenty on the Penguins at home against LA. 
I like Pittsburgh in this one. The Kings are coming on back-to-back. They played the Bruins, actually, mm-hmm. yesterday. Won that one in overtime. So I think Pittsburgh has a little bit of an advantage here in this one. They were on a little bit of a losing streak. Lost three in a row after All-Star break. But now they're... Um, Get right game against the Blackhawks, which a lot of teams use, and won that one four one. So I think um, there's value here with the Penguins. What are your thoughts on the total in this one, Alex? Because as we mentioned, LA on the back to back, Pittsburgh the oldest and maybe a uh, bottom two or three slowest team in the NHL. But this one's at six, basically market wide. It actually opened at six and a half, so it is down about about a half uh, to six. I would lean under in this one. What say you? You know what? Um, the Kings started out as a really good over team and they've adjusted very well. And now they've kind of switched it. They're 29 and 21 overall to the under there. But I just don't know about the the Penguins because last week I had under six and a half in, in their game and they gave up four goals in the second period to Florida that ended up 5-2. So that one kind of threw me off. But I think six is the right number. Maybe a little bit of a lean here. I mean, Tristan Jari is really good. We've just seen him slip up a few times here and there. Well, and it's tough, too, to make any assumptions on a game involving the Panthers. We saw um, offensively true. what they were able to do yesterday. Just an absolute rock fight against the against Tampa. 9-2 uh, to the final there. That game was 0-0 first intermission, though, between the Florida and, and the Penguins. And I thought to myself... If I was Jeff Parles, I'd probably jump on over four yep. and a half right now. And that's why, that's why he's have. on that side of the desk. <laughs> that's right. We're over I'll here. Move over even yeah, further to Jimmy's further chair, away. Uh, or Jimmy's spot, I should say, uh, if you want. Uh, by the way, real quick here, just a, a reminder here. The, the Daytona 500 has been postponed because of weather in Florida. Tomorrow, they're hopeful for a four o'clock start. Tomorrow afternoon in Daytona, uh, the earlier the Xfinity race will run in the morning. Uh, all tickets are valid here as long as it's run through in a, within a week. Alex got yep. confirmed that with uh, our friends back there as well. Um, but uh, again, it's, uh, it's uh, just have to wait a bit longer for the Great American Race, uh, which uh, was supposed to be going today. Another event going on that has been impacted by weather has been the the, the Genesis in LA. Did did I see correctly that they are going to play nine holes today, and that's it? I hope you're wrong on that. I hope I'm wrong as well, but. Yeah, I mean, with all the up. all the random, crazy, noteworthy news items going on at that tournament, we we almost had Tiger taken out on the uh, in the ambulance, and then Jordan Spieth missing one stroke and uh, <laughs> then missing the rest of the tournament because of it, and all of a sudden everybody's favorite Patrick Cantlay leading it. That's right. I know, yeah, they, I know everyone loves Patrick Cantlay. Yep. Yeah. If you need financial advice, he's your guy. But uh, yeah, it just I know this this wasn't something that we had even planned to talk about, but it was another weather impacted event. Uh, that has had a lot of storylines this week, especially from a betting perspective. I know that between Tiger and Spieth, that was a ton of liability from the book's perspective of guys to make the cut, a lot of matchups involving them too. So the book's having a good week, uh, re- regardless of the outcome of this tournament and however many holes they decide to play. Everybody loves to bet Tiger still, even to win it. I don't really mind the making the cut one, but uh, that was a tough loss for a lot of people. Yeah, well... I had Mackenzie Hughes at 300 to one was two shots off the pace going to yesterday. And then of course shot 70. Oh, of course. Well, that's what happens when you have the big bombers, even though I will tell you, it's been a bizarro year in, in golf. Yes, it has. Where just every single week. It's a long shot winning. So of course, naturally it'll be Cantley this week. who was either second or third favorite, depending on which book uh, you were looking at uh, going in to the weekend. All right. Going to the NBA real quick. Uh, Matt Neverett. We'll, we'll defer to you here. 
two three hundred and fifty seven on the total behind oh. us, which is market low, by the way. Uh, Western Conference. We're back to old school Western Conference versus Eastern Conference, which I'm I'm a fan of. I'm not. I'm not. I like the draft. I like to see who gets picked last. I do well, like the, the draft, NBA too. The is, is so wrought with drama from the players. There, there is not another league in American sports where there is so much drama and infighting in terms of subtweets <laughs> amongst the players. Uh, you, you hear people on, online say, this league, and you know they're referring to the NBA because those drama and the storylines, especially with the draft, were... You know, who's LeBron going to take last? And there's a personal vendetta behind everything. I do like that. But in terms of the game itself, I like the old school East-West. You betting the game tonight, Matt? I am not. I, oh, uh, boo! You mean to tell That's me? why you're here today for the, the NBA only. All-Star game, Matt. You know, it opened 363 and a half, and we're down to 357. So there's a sharp move to the under. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. In the NBA All-Star game, yeah, sharp move today. where the, good. The, the three of us are going to play better defense watching from our couches or whatever bar we end up watching it than any player involved in the game whatsoever. I got, I got nothing. This one, for me, I would take a fun little prop. We were looking at uh, first field goal earlier. Yeah. 10 to 1 on SGA. Yeah. Jay Gilgis-Alexander at 10 to 1. Why not fire up a random four-pointer to get things started? My question is, in this game... Are they going to have the Ruffles four-point line like they had in the, uh, in, in the celebrity game? Because I think that's a way that you could it, it introduce a little bit more excitement uh, with the lack of defense going on in the, in the All-Star game. Shout out to Ruffles real quick. Ruffles, good, yep. Good work. Free good pub. Work. I, I expect a couple, couple bags right here on, uh, on Tuesday when I return. <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I just got, I, I got, I got nothing. It's so hard to, I, for me to try to handicap this event from a historical context because it no changes every year. That. Exactly. Yeah. And right. that's especially for one-off games like this, like a Super Bowl, like a conference championship, like a March Madness game. That's usually how I look at it, is from a, a historical context, if you can. There, there's nothing to base your bet off of on is this no one. one. no one booking the MVP of the game out here? Does it matter? I, I, that would be the only <laughs> thing I'd look at. Who, who's, would, who are you looking at? Yeah. I mean, I would probably look at the chalk and look at either Giannis or LeBron in this game. I mean, that's probably the way I would do uh, yeah, it doesn't look like anyone's booking that MVP, the MVP for the game out here. I would never, ever, ever in a million years bet Nikola Jokic to win MVP in a game like and this. And now it is not, not Luca would be the other one you could look at as I well. I was thinking Luca uh, too. For, for, for that. Uh, no, Jok this is, look, Jokic is the best player in the NBA. This is not the best format for him. He is not the best uh, trier in the NBA, we'll say. He's going to be thinking about his horses. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, just looking at the second half, because we, do we don't do a lot of NBA discussion on on this show. We did a little bit with our guy Danny Burke earlier yes. in the week. But going to the second half of the season, well, I know it's more than halfway, but you get what I'm saying. The back end of the season. The final push. The final push in the in the All-Star post All-Star game. On the Eastern Conference side, I almost said Western. I almost pulled a Patrick Star. All right. Uh, but the Eastern Conf the Eastern Conference side. Boston is still clearly better than everybody else. But as we've talked about and I mentioned this earlier in the week, I still don't trust them. We've seen too many playoff failures. Yes, I know they got to the finals two years ago. Last year, they were almost the first team in NBA history to come from 3-0 down, and then, of course, probably got annihilated in Game 7 at home. The problem that I have, man, if it's not Milwaukee getting their act together, which I'm not sure that that's coming at this point this year, then who? And I don't see the other who here being able to beat Boston in the, out of those Eastern Conference teams in the best of seven. 
the only hope for another team is if Joel Embiid has a miraculous recovery. Yeah, and plays one hundred percent and plays. Talk about a team who can't win in the playoffs. But I mean, if you want to talk about the individual matchups and the the issues that they present on the offensive side of the ball going against a team like the Celtics, that for me would be the only other team that really stands a chance and could trip them up. Uh, you know, who who's to who's to say that James Harden doesn't go off for forty five points in a random playoff game and that Embiid comes back and dominates down low because if he is healthy, he does have an advantage against some of the bigs for Boston. They, they are not a big, physically bruising team down low, but they don't have to be with the way that they play. But in a you know microcosm, in a very short span of a seven-game series come playoff time, I could see a healthy Philadelphia really giving them some problems. That being said, it's, it's Celtics or bust for me, and that's not just the Eastern Conference. It's, it's tough to lay a price on wow. what they have right now, but it is Celtics or bust for me to win the championship. What about the Knicks? First off, they got to get healthy. That's, that's one. Been... I, I will say this. I, I know Mitchell Robinson's injury was a big deal. It actually, in a series against Boston, Robinson, I don't think, really matches up well with Porzingis pulling him out. So that injury doesn't mean as much against Boston as it would other teams. And when it's all said and done, my problem with Thibodeau teams is he just, just really overuses guys in the regular season. That's been the case his entire coaching career. He's an excellent coach. But we saw it in Chicago. We saw it in Minnesota, obviously. I, I, we're trending that way here. Three of the top four minutes guys in the NBA are Knicks. Yeah, you're right. So I would be a little bit concerned about that. Uh, you mentioned Philly, Matt. I, I can't do it, even if MB comes back to the Sixers, even though, of course, I have a bet on him once Doc got named the coach of the Bucs. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll take a piece of the Sixers, and then MB gets hurt, and that thing's done, So. Indiana, I just don't think they're capable of winning best of sevens against these higher-end teams just yet. Because without without it, if you are able to neutralize Halliburton, who's their next option? Well, I mean, you have Pascal Siakam now. But, but I mean, it, it just, again, it's that, that's it. they were more built for that one-and-done, hey, I, we could catch someone off guard on, on a nightly basis. They also match up great with the Bucks. Yeah. So if yes, they play they Milwaukee do. in the best of seven, I'll probably be betting Indiana. Uh, but then, then the Cavs are second in the conference right now. I Look, they've quietly under the radar, been great the last month and a half. Uh, they're probably going to get the two seed, which would be two rounds of home court advantage. I know they got beat with home court last year by the Knicks in the first round, but uh, look, if you're playing Miami or Orlando, which is probably the more the, the teams they would draw as the two seed, I would like them against Orlando for sure. Miami, again, the, the, the Heat have proven themselves if they're not a great regular season team, can still make a run in the postseason. And, I mean, you want to talk about a team perhaps peaking a little bit too soon in Cleveland. I think that with that huge winning run that they just went on, uh, you know, might be too little too early for them. You hear too little too late. It might be too little too early as far as uh, getting together, running on all cylinders, and come playoff time, you know, you, you get the ebbs and the flows. They may be on the way down and then have to kind of turn it around or ramp it back to where they have been here over these last couple of weeks where they have been so dominant. Interesting you said Boston. Um them are bust in general. I, I think uh, the West is just so stacked yeah. that no matter who they match up with. And I mean, we have the Nuggets right there defending champions that with the best players. I think they'll give them a hard time. And peaking at, you know, too early. That's what they are known for, the Celtics there. Yeah. So on the West side, we talked about this a little on Friday, uh, me and Chris and Vinny. You look, at the you look at the top two teams in the West right now. Minnesota's first, Oklahoma City second. 
No one thought that going into no. the year. I, I thought Oklahoma City, this would be the year potentially take the leap into the play-in game more so than, hey, forget the play-in game. They're going to can end up with home court in multiple rounds of the uh, of this uh, NBA playoffs. Minnesota, I finally go bear. Clearly the best defensive team in the NBA. Gobert has finally uh, been intertwined correctly with this roster after last year where it was an abject mess getting him in the mix. Uh, with that all said, I wish I trusted the Clippers more. They're still the Clippers, even with them finally ingraining Harden, and they look, they've looked like the best team at times through the last two months. But Denver's just sitting there, yep, not playing their best basketball, dealing with injuries throughout the year. Murray was out for a little bit. Of course, Aaron Gordon dealt with that, that dog bite that kept him out for about two weeks. They're just sitting there, three games out of the one seat. One good 20-game stretch, and Denver probably gets home court again through the Western Conference playoffs. And it's pretty funny how this can flip on a dime with the, with the NBA. Win one title, get respected, and say, all right, how does someone go? How do, how do the Western Conference playoffs that happen to go through Denver not end up with Denver back in the finals again? That's what I just keep thinking when I keep looking at this. Yeah, they're like that uh, the serial killer in the movie that just kind of keeps following you. You know, not necessarily <laughs> uh, hot I mean, on your we, trail. We I mean, we don't need hatchets here on the day. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, you know, you look out of the corner of your eye, there they are. You talk about anybody else. Oh, my God, here come the Nuggets. You know, all of a sudden, especially come playoff time, peaking at the right time. You brought up the Clippers. And Alex and I had Steve Jones Jr. on our show, what was that, two weeks ago? And uh, he's, he's going to come back on Tuesday and talk about some of these same picks. The one team that he said, a dark horse right now, the, the, the two teams that he gave us, and this was uh, probably two weeks ago, as mentioned, Cleveland, they went and I think won their next 12 games, something like that, after he gave us that prediction, and the Clippers. Those were the two teams that he said as a dark horse to keep an eye on as double-digit to one uh, title contenders. Right. And the, the Clippers are scary. Uh, they, they've they really got are. some... You know, real good talent. If they're able to get it together at the right time, they're a team that's able to to upset or at least give some of these teams a run. You know, they may not beat the Nuggets, but if they take the Nuggets to seven games and, uh, you know, whoever they have to play in the next round at a four or five game series, that is a definite advantage for whoever had the shorter series. So you're, you're talking about teams that are able to impact the rest of the playoffs, even though they may not be able to beat a team like Denver straight up in the series. They can certainly hinder their performance for the rest of the playoffs. Very good point. That is true. But the Clippers, the only thing is is size. I think that is their um, downfall there. But they have been very good. He also said Kawhi Leonard. I got to check what his MVP is. Cause yeah, it's 40 to 1 earlier in the week. Okay. I, I just don't think he's going to get there. I think Jokic is going to win this thing again. Or again, if the Thunder get the one seed, Shea Gilgis Alexander may steal this yeah. thing. I don't think he should win the award. Personally, I think it would be, it should be Jokic or... Kawhi, personally, but Luca in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, Luca's interesting, and that all depends on where Dallas is finished. Again, the Western Conference. You look <laughs> at this right now. Dallas is thirty-two and twenty-three, and they're the seven seed right now. Sacramento's eight games over; they're the eight. Crazy. So Lakers are four games over; they're the nine. So you're you're dealing with here. I mean, if Dallas, Dallas, remember, Dallas just flat out missed the playoff play in last year. They didn't even get into the play in last year. Uh, for for them, it's just a matter of, hey, get into the bracket. Maybe Luka can find a way uh, to win that MVP. I still think Jokic is winning again, personally. I think it's going to be three and four years for, for Nikola when it's all said and done. Uh, that, I will say, we didn't mention the Suns at all, which is kind of right. just shows what 
what we think of them. And when you still have high quality of players they have, you are somewhat alive. But I just, their depth, there's been a whole year with them. I don't like their depth in the best of seven, especially if they draw Denver in round one, where that would just be a vicious draw for Phoenix if that were to happen. I mean, they're, they're one rolled ankle away from their entire offensive game plan changing. I was at the game where Brad Beal rolled his ankle against the Jazz, and that completely changed the, tra the trajectory of the next two and a half weeks for that team. So they, they are one little freak injury away from completely changing how they play the game on the offensive side of the ball. And that's never good, especially against a team like a Denver or in a potential finals matchup against a team like a Boston that, or even Milwaukee that really does the same things well and will continue to attack when they find a weakness. Got a whole few months, two months until the NBA postseason starts. Same with the uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs That's right. as well. Uh, why is hockey's regular season going to April 20th this year? Why is it so late? I feel like the last few years it's really been and stretching really, out really, that really long. really stretched out again. I uh, feel like the season yeah. started a week late this year, something a little bit later than we are used to. I don't know. know. I'm used to working baseball games while the Stanley Cup playoffs yeah. are going on, so April feels about right. So we are uh, – we, we are – we're back tomorrow. I'll be here tomorrow. Never gets a Monday off because he'll be here on Wednesday instead. Uh, it'll be it'll be interesting to see tomorrow on the college basketball slate. Again, these Mondays are shorter cards. Usually, you get a few good games. Tomorrow, you get Iowa State and Houston, which Fair. is a heavy duty, big time game. Iowa State, of course, beat Houston in Ames earlier in the year. Revenge for Houston. By the way, Texas yesterday giving Houston 80 points, not good. Can't, not good. You, you can't give them any points to that offense. Uh, but credit to the Cougs who uh, look every bit the one seed that the committee made them yesterday in the early reveal for the NCAA tournament. All right. Uh, anyone, anything else we like to add before we go? Jim? I like over 498 points in tonight's NBA All-Star game. <laughs> The alt total. Alt total, baby. Alt Look total. for over 500 if you, if you can find it. Oh, that would be pretty good uh, on that. Tomorrow here on the channel, Frank Nicotero's back. Punchlines, noon. When that starts, him and Ryan McCormick will get into whatever debauchery they made tomorrow. And oh, me. you're here. That's right. You're Monday. Alex White. You know what? Some sanity on the desk <laughs> tomorrow, at least, with Alex on punchlines. So Alex has double duty. We'll be back tomorrow yes. at three on this show here on Sports by the Book. Good work. As always, by our great crew, Caden, Sean, Andrew. Great work, as always, dog. back there. We'll see you tomorrow, 3 o'clock, Sports by the Book, South Point Studio.